Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. This morning, uh, I just began to think. In fact, I was awakened this morning and I began to think about this particular scenario in regards to receiving an Amazon package. Has anybody ordered anything on Amazon? If you've ever ordered anything, raise your hand. Oh, man, a lot of Amazon people in here. I mean, isn't that the slickest thing that, that, that ever could be? I mean, I've gotten to the, the, the custom now that I can wait two days. Come on, I don't need to get out into the hustle and bustle, man. I can order it online, and I can get it at my house. And, man, it can get addictive, can it? I mean, you like getting, I mean, it's like, it's like Easter every, every day, man. You, here comes the package, man. Yeah, I get my package. And, and, and again, you just, there's something about it that you enjoy getting this thing. And it, it's almost like it's a gift, but you pay for it. <laughs> but this is the coolest thing about it as well, is that you don't even have to go back to a store and return your product if you don't like it and go through all the hustle and bustle and try to find the receipt and all that other kind of thing. If it don't work, it comes with a prepaid stamped return and all you got to do is take it on back down to the post office or UPS. And what it is is that it simply says, I'm returning to the sender. Amen. And that's the title of my message this morning. Return to sender. Say that with me. Return to sender. Come on, man. This is what it's all about. We're talking about returning it to its sender. And you'll get the point of what we're talking about as we get into this message. Praise God. Well, in regards to that, we'll again, we'll bring light to that. But just to bring us to speed into our current culture of what we've been living in and where we're at. Obviously, this past year was one that has just been a, a year of ups and downs, hasn't it? And uh, who would have ever thought that at this time and this season that we would still be talking about it? And I know there's been times where I said, yeah, I'm not talking about it no more. But you realize it's not going away. And so here we are. We've had this up and down year of last year of all the challenges of the pandemic and the, the virus that we've been having to contend with. But this year, in 2021, man, something about this year has brought about hope. There's something about this year that has introduced a new beginning. And thank God the, vir the, the vaccine came along. Can somebody say amen? Man, we got the vaccine. And everybody's been looking forward to this vaccine. And uh, this vaccine that has come out, man, it's, it's given us this opportunity to get back to normal. In fact, for that matter, because of this vaccine, there's now not such a fear of death. And isn't that the big thing that everybody was afraid of? Oh, dear God, you get this thing, you might die. Come on. You, you get this virus, man. They're saying that, that the casualty rate is way up there. You just might die. So thank God that we've got this vaccine. 
and we can actually possibly get back to a life as we've once known it or maybe get back to some kind of normalcy. But on the other hand, maybe the way that we've been living life or this normal way of life that we've been living has been in part the problem. Maybe this normal as we have known it is what has caused so many to live a life full of fear. And maybe it's the routine of our life that has given us reason that we've had to look for a saving grace in order for us to finally be free from the fear of death. Now, if you hear me by any means being condemning towards the vaccine, that is not what I'm saying. Thank God that there is a vaccine and thank God that God has given us an alternative if we need it. But once again, how many of you know that there has been a routine of life that has caused us to get to a place where we have been encapsulated or been captured and, and really enslaved by fear in this culture in which we live? Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? We have lived this life full of fear. But once again, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a vaccine, or whether it's God, God desires that we come to a place of being healthy and whole. How many of you believe that it's God's desire for you to live a life with health, hope, and healing, provision, and not a life of struggle, but a life of blessing? How many of you believe that? Amen. That's the heart and the desire of God. But here's what I want to share with you this morning. That the answer for the hope, the answer for the beginning and the fresh start that you've been looking for is not found in a vaccine. Thank God for them. But the answer that you're looking for is actually found in the message of Easter. In Easter is the power to give you the life that you desire to have. Easter was never meant about the eggs, the baskets, or the bunnies. It was about what God came or what God sent Jesus to do for all of us that are his kids. Amen? Now, once again, I want you to understand this. Because this is the difference between somebody that knows Jesus and somebody that does not know Jesus. Because the whole purpose of Easter was to provide something for you that know Jesus and to live a life that he, he came to, to ordain and to, to give for you. Amen. And so once again, when we see this story of Easter, I said that there is the answer of what you need in the message of Easter. So what is it that happened on Easter morning? Obviously, you would say, well, Jesus, he rose from the dead, right? And if you were to ask most Christians, most Christians would say this. They would say that Easter is the answer that, that God gave us for sin. That Jesus hung on the cross and died. He rose from the grave. The tomb is empty. And now we are forgiven from sin. And I'm here to tell you that that is not what Easter's about. It just got quiet all of a sudden. What did we say that the name of our series was called or our message was called this morning? Return to Sender. Come on. One person remembered. Say it with me. The title of our message today is called what? Return to Sender. Amen. Now, I stumped you there when I said that Jesus, or Easter rather, was not all about 
the forgiveness of sin of him dying on the cross, going to the grave, and rising on the third day for the sake of the forgiveness of sin. Now, why is that? Because in the Old Testament, how many of you know that God provided an answer to forgive sin? The Bible says that in the Old Testament, before Jesus, God provided a means for sin to be forgiven. And it was through the sacrifice of bulls and goats, right? It had to be done every year. But there was forgiveness of sin through the shedding of blood. So let's dig into this a little bit to truly find out what Easter has provided for us. Because we said the... Title of our message is called what? Return to sender. You're getting it. All right. Stick with me now. All right. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read a lengthy portion of scripture here. So I want you to stay attentive. I want you to pay attention and listen and hear and see what the word of God is saying. As I said, I'm going to read several verses, but I want you to get the content of what is being said. Now, I'm going to read it from the New Passions Translation. But beginning in verse 10, it says the old system, or we could say the normal way of living. The old system, the normal of living under the law, presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. Even with its steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered and the worshipers would have, uh, have, have clean consciences. Instead, once was not enough. So by the repetitive sacrifices, year after year, the, the worshipers were continually reminded of their sin with their hearts still impure. So notice what it says here. We'll, we'll continue to read in a moment. But it says that there was an answer to the sin or forgiveness of sin. But because it did not erase the sin, but merely cover it, there was a constant reminder of their sin or their sinful nature. And because the blood of bulls and goats could not purge the sin or Fulfill the sacrifice. They had to continually do it year after year. You tracking with me? All right. Verse four. Let me read that again. It says, for what power did. Uh, yeah. For for what power does the blood of bull and goats have to remove sin's guilt? So when Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world, he said, since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiply burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple, uh, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law requires them to be offered. And then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces the entire system with a new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy 
once and for all through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. So what did Jesus come to do? Jesus in the Easter or excuse me, you would read that and you would say, well, yes, that's what Easter is all about. He came to be the sacrifice. He came to shed his blood. He came to pay for the penalty of sin. But let me ask you the question. If that was all that was required, then why do we celebrate Easter? Because the sacrifice was made on Good Friday. Are you tracking with me? He said there was a requirement that a sacrifice was made. And he says, I will be that sacrifice to fulfill your will and desire to purify human, humankind. And then Jesus, if you recall the story, the Bible says that he was hanging on the cross. And he says, it is finished. And he breathed his last. At that moment, on Good Friday, the penalty of sin was paid for. So if that's all that it was, then on Good Friday, we would have a celebration and call it good. And we would start a new Sunday today and just go about our business. But we celebrate Easter. Why do we celebrate Easter? Well, because we know that he rose from the grave. But him simply raising from the grave had nothing to do with the forgiveness of our sin. So it begs the question now, what's the significance of Easter? What is it that we must know about Easter? Listen, I realize that we have many different individuals that might be here this morning there might be individuals that have been in church for all their life there might be some that have just attended in the last few years and there might be some people here or watching online that have never been in church or never received christ so i want you to hear something if you will hear what i'm sharing with you today and if you'll grab hold of its truth it will forever change your life because Easter is what caused us to have the life that Jesus said, I came to give you. In John chapter 10, he said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The, the actual translation says, in quality and in quantity. So it wasn't just the forgiveness of sins that gave us this quantity and quality of life. It was the message and the power of Easter. Now, what was it? What's the significance of Easter? What happened between Good Friday and Easter morning? I'm glad you asked. What happened? Thank you for asking. Well, let me ask you a question. What's the name of our message today? Return to sender. You're doing good. All right. What happened between Friday and Sunday morning? Jesus stripped the power of the devil in your life. Praise God. You don't have to just keep on living this life 
being tormented by the enemy, just taking whatever he throws at you. No, the Bible says that we have a foe to fight. But when you understand that you've got inside information, and when you understand that Easter empowered you to live a life victorious, it will change your life forever. Now let me just share a couple verses with you. In Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 18, Jesus said this, he says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades, or hell, and of death. Come on, he says, I've got the keys. Now, why does he have the keys of hell? Because after he died, he went to hell in your place. You see, he hung on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin so that you didn't have to go there. But how many of you know that the wages of sin is death or actually hell? And he says, now, not only did I take the place for your sin, he says, I took the punishment of your sin and I went to hell on your account. But no, no, the Bible says that Jesus became sin for us, but yet he was without sin. The only person that can be held in hell is one that re rejects Jesus, but has lived a life full of sin and has never received forgiveness. But since Jesus only became sin, he never did sin. You can't legally keep somebody free from sin in hell. So when he went down there, the devil thought he had him whooped. He said, whoa, we crucified him. We killed him. We took him out. He's no longer on the earth. But now we got him down here. He's ours. And man, you talk about having a party. There was a party in hell because the devil says, we got him. We stopped it. We've been trying for millennia, for thousands of years. We thought Moses was him. We tried to stop him. We didn't succeed. Oh, there were so many more. But we actually got him. And he's here. But the Bible says on the third day, something began to happen. Hell began to shake. And hell was defeated. Because when he rose from the grave or rose from death, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he took the keys from the enemy. If you recall, that's what his father said in the garden millennia of years beforehand. He said, there is a seed that is coming. He says, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head or the authority that you think you now have. It's coming to an end and I'm sending my son. Amen. And on the third day, he conquered and took the keys of hell. Let's look at another one in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. It says, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Once again, you can't hold an innocent man. I'll say that again. You can't hold an innocent man. And it's important that you understand that when Jesus went to hell, he went to hell in the form of a man. Why? Because a man got us into this problem. A man had to get us out of this problem. Praise God. Doesn't it make sense now that when Jesus says, I know what you've went through. I've experienced those temptations and the infirmities that you have. But yet I was without sin. He knows what you go through because he's been there. But yet the Bible says that the pains of hell, of death, could not hold him. In Colossians chapter 2, 
In Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Who was it against? It was against us. Which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So what did he do? The Bible went to the cross, and it says that your sin was nailed to it. And when he died, your sins were forgiven. And the Bible says that all the powers and principalities and the devils of hell thought that they had won, that they had took, taken him out. But what does it say? It says that they could not hold him, but as a result of him going to hell on your account and hell not being able to, to, uh, to, to hold him there. But yet, on the other hand, he took the keys from the, 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 the gates of hell. And the Bible says that it caused him to be disarmed or that Jesus disarmed principalities. So in other words, they no longer have the power that they once did. And then it says that he made a public spectacle of, of, uh, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What's that mean? It means that now, when he rose from the grave, he was letting everybody know, I'm him. I paid the price. Sin can't hold me. Death can't hold me. And the Bible actually says that the rulers of this age, had they known what they were doing when they crucified the Lord of glory, they would not have done it. So what does that mean? See, the devil thought he was so smart, and finally he thought he had won. He thought that he took Jesus out. But he didn't have the foresight or the foreknowledge to know what Easter would bring. Because when Easter came, the Bible says that Satan was rendered helpless and disarmed. I said the enemy is disarmed. He has no more power or control over you and me. Now here's the thing. You see that Jesus says, I want to fulfill the will of my father. Jesus didn't go to the cross for him. He did it for you. When he went to hell, he didn't do it for his father. He did it for you. It was all about causing you to have the ability to know what Jesus has done for you in this time and this hour and this age. Say it with me. Say, Satan has been disarmed. He has no power over me. Amen. Now, let me give you a natural example to kind of illustrate that, if you will. Several years back, I, I was probably in my early 20s, probably 20, 21. And I worked for the Bertrand Mall. If any of you are familiar with the Bertrand Mall, I'm sure, if not everybody, most of you have been up there and done some shopping. But at that time, I worked for the mall and I was in charge of all the landscaping and all the property. And when it came to the wintertime, we had to clear off the sidewalks. And it was a very big job. And this particular winter, the guy that I worked with, either he was on vacation or he was sick himself, but he was not at work this particular day that we had a huge snowstorm. And it just so happened that I ended up getting sick. I don't know if I had the flu or what, but man, I was in the bed and there was no way that I was getting out. But there was nobody to go to the mall to take care of the mall. 
And so my dad, being the good father that he is, he says, well, son, he says, I'll go up there and I'll shovel snow for you. And so my dad, as I'm sitting there in bed, he goes up to the mall and does my work for me and he cleans off all the sidewalks on my behalf. Now, it came time for payday. Now, Dad says, hey, don't worry about that, son. He said, don't worry about it. And so, my paycheck reflected the fact that I worked that day. And I got the rewards of Dad taking my place and doing my work. He paid the price, but I got the reward. You hear what I'm saying? Now, the IRS did not come to me and say, Hey, I uh, just want to ask you a question here. There's a, a day's worth of wages here. And I, we just want to make sure that you were the one that actually did the work. Would they do that? No. They don't care. All they want to know is that we got our money. The price has been paid. You paid your taxes. And so whoever got the reward of it, that's none of our business. So here's my point. If my natural father can love me enough to go and work and pay the price on my behalf because I'm hurting in my natural body, but yet at the end of the day, I get the paycheck for it. Come on, as though I did it. How much more the heavenly father cares about you. And that's why he sent Jesus so that you would get the rewards of what Jesus did. Amen. Amen. And that's what Paul said. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So what's he saying? He said, Jesus went to the cross on my account as just as though I was there. It was just like I was there, but he paid the price for me. And he went to hell. And it was just as I went to hell, but he did it for me. And I am the recipient of the one that is forgiven of sin. And I am the one that has received the abilities to respond and receive the gift of Easter. And that is that the enemy is disarmed and no longer has control over me. Amen. So, when we're talking about this virus, these things that we're dealing with, how many of you know that sickness and disease is from the very pit of hell? But the pit of hell has already been disarmed. The keys of its control have already been taken. And you possess the keys. Amen. Now, this is why I said, whether you've been in church a long time, just a little while, or maybe this is the first time, if you'll understand this truth, it will forever set your life free. Because from this moment forward, you have the ability to live free from the fear of the enemy destroying your life. Now, does that mean that things aren't going to come your way? Oh, no. You're going to get a package at your door. And it's going to be sickness and disease. And you're going to get another package at your door. And it's going to be stress and worry and, and, and fretfulness and depression. You're going to get another package at your door. And it's going to say poverty and lack and not enough. 
You're going to get another package at your door that says your marriage and your family are full of turmoil. But the question is, is are you going to take that package and receive it and take it into your home? Or have you heard that there is a return to sender tag that is assigned to that package and you can take it and say, send it back to who? The sender. Amen. So when you get the gift, when you get the box at your house, what are you going to say? Return to sender. When the COVID starts to show up on your doorstep and starts to get that tickle in your throat and starts to get the achy and the fever, what are you going to say? Return to sender. When you look in the bank account and it don't look like there's enough to meet the ends, uh, make ends meet, what are you going to say to that poverty and lack? Return to sender. When your marriage seems to be falling apart and there's distress and turmoil, what are you going to say to that turmoil and distress? Return to sender. Praise God. That is the power of Easter. Sins were forgiven on Good Friday because the sacrifice was made. But the enemy was rendered disarmed on Easter. And the book of Ephesians says that Jesus placed all principalities and powers under his feet. Praise God. When you get that package, you just need to start doing a dance. Woo! <laughs> Body, you don't feel good right now? Well, let me just dance a jig. Why are you dancing a jig? Because I'm reminding I'm sending it back to sender. Return to sender. Well, your body's hurting yet, but I'm going to dance myself happy. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. When it looks like the marriage has fallen apart. Oh, return to sender. <laughs> Woo! Why? Because the enemy's under my feet. And you don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. Amen? With every eye, eye, eye closed and every head bowed. I want to challenge you this morning. Once again, I hope that you hear me clearly when I say I am not making light of the virus, nor am I condemning anybody that has received the vaccine. Thank God for the help. But I am here to tell you this morning that from this day forward, because of the truth of Easter, you do not have to live a life of fear. You do not have to be a slave to fear anymore. And if you're here under the sound of my voice, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to be brave. Nobody's looking around. Every eye is closed. But if you're a mother and a father that says, our house is not going to be one fearful of death, sickness, disease. And when it comes, we're going to return it to sender. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to take a stand and stand to your feet as a mother and a father. If you're a husband or a wife and you're saying, I'm sick and tired of the enemy wreaking havoc in my marriage, in my family, in my kids, I'm going to take a stand today and put you under my feet. And today is going to be the turning point because I believe that Easter set me on a place and a path of victory. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. If you're here in this place and you feel as though you have been fearful and tormented for concern of sickness and disease of what's going on, then I hope that you've heard the word of God that says Satan has been redeemed or has been rendered rather powerless 
that you have been redeemed. And if there's a package that shows up, you can say, return to sender. If you're here today and you're saying today, this Easter of 2012 is going to be a turning point for my life. It is coming up and it's going over and this is going to be a year to remember. If you're a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, an individual that says this is my year and this Easter marks it, will you stand to your feet? Praise God. Praise God. Everybody standing in the room. Praise the Lord. Now look at me if you will. Since everybody's standing, you're standing together. I want you to also know something. That it's easier to stand together than it is to be apart. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. I need you, you need me, we need each other. That's how we continue to stand strong. That's how we continue to disarm him and put him under our feet. Amen. If you're standing up because you believe this is your hour and this is your day and this is your year. then I want you just to lift a hand towards heaven. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray a prayer over you rather. And you just receive it as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person that was bold to take a stand and say, this is my year. I will no longer be a slave to fear. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that not only did you pay the sacrifice for our sin, that we are free from its slavery, but God, you have also freed us from fear. You have caused the enemy to be powerless. Yes, he comes to seek and destroy whom he may devour. But no, in the name of Jesus, we resist him. And as we resist, he must flee. And so, God, I thank you right now that marriages are being restored. Minds are being renewed. Faith is coming alive. God, I thank you that this is a year that we don't stand still or stagnant. But this is a year that we take one giant step forward and see the power and the hand of God move. Because Easter has given us the right. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.